0: Live from Liverpool, The Dark Paranormal, Season 12. Hi everyone and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal, Season 12, Episode 3. And firstly, a huge thanks to everyone who reached out after last week's episode. This is your show, so we do want to hear all of your feedback and comments. And, of course, your true paranormal experiences. So, if you wish to get in touch, simply email us, thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com. Alternatively, head to our website, thedarkparanormal.com, and click Contact Us. So, before we start the show, I'd like to make three very quick announcements, and they raise in importance with each one. Firstly, we're now on X, formerly Twitter. You can follow us at Dark Paranormal X. That's at Dark Paranormal X. The reason we made that account is quite simple. There are apparently quite a few good plans in place for podcasters and their liaison with their fans. So we'll see what happens. So if you have an account there on X, formerly Twitter, follow us at Dark Paranormal X. The second announcement is we're launching a new show. At the back end of October, we will be launching The Deadly Countdown. The Deadly Countdown will feature a format very similar to The Dark Paranormal, but with a focus on true crime, disappearances and mysteries in general. That's all I'll say for now, but there will be much more news nearer to the release date. And finally, the third and arguably most important piece of news. A couple of episodes ago, you will recall me saying that we received an experience so good on Dark Bites that both I and our Patreons asked the submitter to submit a longer form version so everyone got the chance to hear their experience. Well, I'm exceptionally excited to say that the submitter has agreed to that request and next week we will feature that very experience. And I'm saying this now as a paranormal fan myself, but if I were you, I would be deeply, deeply excited for next week's episode. But enough about next week, what about this week? Well, this week's experience has been on my mind ever since I received it. You see, the submitter is trying to find out whether a spirit or an attachment can pass itself down through the generations. However, within their experience, I'm not 100% sure what they're dealing with is a simple spirit nor an attachment. But something much older, more powerful, and much more dangerous. However, before we begin today's amazing true paranormal experience... We need to, of course, thank our wonderful team over at Patreon. When you join our team, not only do you receive these episodes both ad-free and before everyone else, but you can also receive exclusive access to our Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites releases each and every week, even on the downtime between seasons. Which means not only do you never miss your weekly paranormal fix, but you're also the first to hear any debut episodes and any season finales, all ad-free. But most importantly of all, we've built our wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over on Patreon. And we'd like to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash Paranormal just like these wonderful new team members have. Amber Gibson, Azza Alatabiad, Cheryl Baker, Cup of Joe, Cassie Staples, Daryl and Jennifer Schultz, Tom Silver, Catherine Ellison, Ashley McGee, Victoria Jeffries, Boy, Amber Jones, The Phoenix, Libby Bailey, Ryan, Anthony, Stephanie Hodgson, Maya Brashler, Shelley Bean, Kiddy Lisa 73 Emma Campbell, Mason Gotts, Rebecca Spence, Octavia, Tricia iPhone, Rebecca, Sue Newhouse, Ashley Shaw of Tidmore, Paula G, Noah Chilton, Rachel T, Sandra Clark, Jordan Allen, Nick Rerick25, Ametix3 and Camelia Felix. Thank you so much for supporting the team over at Patreon. I hope you enjoy all the early ad-free releases and, of course, those weekly Dark Bites episodes. If you'd like to join the team, head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal. But right now, it's time to lower those lights, make yourself comfortable, and, of course, leave your disbelief at the door as we hear all about an eternal evil. Hi, I'm Abby and I'm from the US. Michigan, to be exact. Even though I've experienced what I'd imagine would be the unexplainable before, there was nothing that could have prepared me for the terror I felt the night it appeared. I've debated for a long time whether to even tell this story. You see, I'm scared that by talking about it, it will come back, having waited in the background for the perfect opportunity to do so. Let's hope not. I'm going to lay out a sort of timeline of the experiences that I've had in the hopes this can establish if this was a chance encounter or if something more sinister may be on its way. When I was a toddler, my mum was renting a small apartment. My father was not in the picture, so it was just me and her. I don't remember much from this time, but I do remember being terrified. The house had a very unsettling feeling to it. According to my mum, the TV would turn on and off by itself, even if unplugged. There would be random items moved. Sometimes they'd go missing for days. It was the simple shrug of the shoulders type of thing until one day, when it wasn't. Small annoyances like things going missing soon turned into the appearance of figures. My mum specifically talked of a witch-like woman that would come through her window at night. But the event that convinced her that we needed to move was the night I wasn't quite myself. One night, my mum was woken by me in the middle of the night. I was around three or four at the time. What's wrong, babe? she asked. My mummy's dead. I whispered back to her. What? she asked. My mummy's dead. I repeated, slowly drawing a finger across my neck. My mum said she's never been so terrified. She hurried to put the lights on, and my eyes were not the same. She said everything else was, but something was wrong with my eyes. Oh, oh, I'm sorry about that. Can I have my daughter back, please? She asked in a panicked tone. Well, we left shortly after, and I've always wondered if a spirit takes over. Is that person forever marked? Does some residual part of that entity remain? My maternal grandmother had lost a lot of her family members in a very quick amount of time, and this tragedy caused her to look for a way to speak to them which eventually led to her using Ouija boards. My grandmother has always had this mystical and spiritual nature, but she also had a tendency for being naive, which is not the best combination. At first, my grandma would do it here and there, convinced that whatever she was conversing with spirits-wise were of a good nature. Eventually she became so obsessed with the board that it was all she did. She didn't work at the time, so it was a lot of hours per day that she could use the board, and it definitely put a strain on family relationships, arguably helping to aid in my grandparents' divorce, although there were obviously other factors. I don't know what made her quit this newfound hobby... But it must have been a terrifying event. Because, in fact, now, you can't even talk of the supernatural around her. One time, while she and I were driving to my aunt's house, I was casually talking about a demonic horror movie I'd seen. It was late at night, and the trees were a menacing barrier on both sides of the road. I paused choosing not to mention the demonic part. And that's when the air in the car changed. She held the steering wheel firmly and slowly turned her head to look at me. She held my gaze longer than she should have when behind the wheel of a dark backward road. Don't talk about them. They can hear you she said in an ice-cold, very slow voice. And then she turned her head back to the road, but in that moment everything seemed so unnatural. I shut up immediately and focused very hard on the trees. Ever since that day, I've never brought up that subject with her. The following is more of my cousin's story, but I'm sure it happened because of my grandmother's activities. We used to go to our grandparents all the time, but suddenly my cousin Bev hated going over there. Bev is a little older than me, by around three years or so, so she was probably around six or seven at the time. Bev's story is that when visiting our grandparents' house, everything would be fine, until she would see an old woman standing in the corner. The old woman apparently looked like the old witch from Snow White, and it affected her so much that she even now refuses to watch the movie as an adult. The old woman would stand in the corner of the room, but no one else ever acknowledged her presence. She would stand there and stare at Bev. For the first few encounters, that's all she would do. But eventually the woman began to beckon Bev to come with her. To where exactly? Well, Bev was too terrified to find out. She said that time seemed to slow down when this woman spoke. And she became more insistent that Bev followed her. She never did follow her, but instead became terrified of that house. As far as I know, Bev hasn't seen that creature since our grandparents divorced and moved houses. The knowledge that my grandma was so fixated with the Ouija board, and whatever unknown encounters she had that made her stop, has made me wonder about generational attachments. Evil things which passed down the family line, so to speak. Well, maybe that would explain some of what I've experienced. When I was a teen, probably around 15 or so, I had one of the worst nightmares ever. Ever since I was a child, I'd been plagued with an assortment of terrifying dreams, but this one seemed way too real. I remember in the dream... I was in my room when my mum stepped in. She was talking to me about whatever when I began to feel a slight change in the conversation, in the air around her. She looked the same, but I could tell something was off. This was not my mum, or at least not completely. In the dream, I got up and ran to the bathroom as quickly as I could but she was right behind me. I was able to close the door almost all the way, but the thing pretending to be my mum was able to keep it partially open. I was frantic in this dream, putting everything I had against the door to keep it out. She kept calling to me sweetly, smiling as she promised she wasn't going to hurt me. Through the crack in the door, I could see her smile and it was unnaturally wide. The smile never faltered as she spoke, and I knew with everything in me that whatever this thing was, it was not my mother, and it did intend to do me harm. I woke from this dream in a cold sweat, my heart racing, and I even avoided my mum for a month after that dream, and every time we got close... I had an eerie feeling settled deep within me. I was waiting for the facade to end, for the creature from the dream to make its appearance. And the whole thing yet again made me wonder, was this all linked to what my grandma had been doing? And do future generations bear the brunt of our ancestors' mistakes? Once some time had passed and the terror of the dream had dulled, I told my mum what happened and why I'd been so reclusive and avoiding her. She was shocked. But then she said she understood exactly how I felt. Because she's had the same dream. She was pregnant with me at the time of the dream, and she'd had a dream that her mother... My grandmother from earlier had been sitting on the edge of her bed, chatting away whilst my mum lay down. My mum said everything seemed fine at first, but then grandma began smiling a little too wide. The sweetness in her voice was unnatural, and the feeling of the dream soon turned dark. In the dream, my grandma was telling my mum not to be afraid. She won't hurt her. And then my grandma placed her hands around my mum's neck and began to squeeze. While she was choking my mum, she still kept telling her everything was fine. She wouldn't hurt her, smiling all the while. My mum confessed that even though she knew it was a dream, she couldn't look at grandma for months afterwards. And it took her a good while to trust whether this mother was her real mother and not the thing from the dream. Of course, us both having a similar dream like this could be mere chance. But it was a dark dream. An evil dream. I wonder if something had become generationally attached since we both had vivid dreams of our own mothers killing us, or wanting to, with the same unwavering smile. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savoury tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. ba 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 It was very hard for me to grow up with a single mother and a dad to see every other weekend. But my biological dad's house was a very abusive place. I always longed for a dad like the movies, Also, being an only child in mum's house was hard. I was the only other person there for her to lean on. And this meant I knew how much she was struggling and how inadequate I felt in my ability to help her. It was a lot for a kid to grow up in. So when my mum introduced me to Mr. J and asked if I wanted us to live with him, I was ecstatic. I immediately warmed up to him being my dad, and we felt like a truly happy family. Until we didn't. I'll spare you all the details of the events that took place, but there are a point or two I want to highlight from this time. You see, Mr J was an alcoholic, and he deteriorated very quickly. He ended up passing away whilst I was only in third grade, from his second liver failure, and he was only in his late 20s. During this time, I remember feeling like we'd made the perfect family, only for a darkness to slowly take hold and tarnish it. I'm only going to recount the stories that I personally think are connected to the paranormal. One of these encounters are from me, whilst the others are from my mum and what she's told me. The following experience comes from my mum. Mr J's dad died when he was a kid. I'm not sure what happened, and I've come to terms with the fact that there's a lot about Mr J I will never know. His dad's death affected him greatly. He would always tell my mother that his dad had demons and that they were coming for him next. Now, of course, it's easy to assume he was talking metaphorically, but I could never shake the feeling that he could have meant it literally. Let me preface this part by saying my mum is a nurse and has almost always been involved in the medical field. By saying that, I mean she's seen people under the influence of other things. She believes he was under the influence of more than just alcohol. She thinks he was demonically attached. Now, yes, I do understand that we could simply be coping, filling holes in seemingly unrational ways. And I don't want you to think I'm trying to take away responsibility from his actions by saying there was a paranormal force he couldn't control. But I can't stop thinking, what if? He would frequently do 180 degree mood swings. He tried to strangle my mum a few times, and then he'd stop and immediately forgot he'd done it. It was extreme. Once again, I'm sure this can be put down to his drinking... I understand that alcoholism changes people, but I can't stop thinking about how odd this next incident is. He would stay in one spot for hours on end, not doing anything, just standing there, watching. There would be days when he stayed in his room all day, But some nights, he would go into the living room. He would see my mother doing something and he would just stand there and stare at her. She said it would scare the shit out of her because he wouldn't say anything. She said every time he'd done this, it didn't look like him anymore. He always looked different. One time she asked Mr J... What the hell are you doing? And he responded, Jay isn't here anymore, and just smiled. When he done this, she came to my room and locked my door. Like I said, perhaps it was truly the alcohol, but I have a lot of questions about that time. But I have to come to terms that they will never be answered, as Mr Jay is dead. Allow me to introduce my boyfriend, now husband, Jake. We met online, and after three long years of a long-distance relationship, I moved across the state to live with him. He's also had some paranormal experiences, even once living in a haunted house himself. Well, with the introduction out of the way, we may delve into the story of the apartment across the lake. This is where the event took place. The apartment building was in rough shape, but it was absolute bliss to me, considering I was moving from a city place. I'd spent a year with roommates, so I was ecstatic to have a new start with my boyfriend and our dog. Walking into the building, you were met directly by a three story staircase. At each level, there were thick, heavy doors that closed off the hallways, which led to the apartment units. Our apartment was directly across from the stairway door on the second floor. Entering the apartment, you would be stood facing the living room. There was a large sliding door-like window that flooded the room with light. The view from that window was of the apartment complex directly across from us. But I couldn't complain too much. At least I had a place of my own that didn't involve roomies drugged out of their minds. And to the right there was a small kitchen. We had a nice living room and there was a door to the left that led to our single bedroom and then the bathroom. It was a lovely, cute apartment for a couple. And we mostly enjoyed our time there. I can't recall exactly when it began, but I know that all of our furniture was placed and everything was unboxed. I want to say it was about a month in when the knocking began. It was an evening and we were on the couch watching some TV and eating our dinner and there was a definitive knock on the door that jolted us. We didn't really get visitors Although Jake grew up in the area, I was completely new here. And my immediate worry was that it was someone who had an issue with how loud our TV was. Jake got up to look into the peephole. He opened the door, but there was no one there. Before closing the door, he took a quick look up and down the hallway and saw that it was empty. What is it? I asked. I don't know. There's no one there probably kids messing around. He took a seat back down, but there was an anxious ball beginning to grow in my stomach. He'd been sat back down for less than a minute when the knocking began again, but this time louder, more violent. Jake got up to go and look again, but this time there was a rigid set to his shoulders. I shuffled over on the couch to get a better look. My eyes grew wide as I saw the door moving from the force of the knock. Once again he looked out of the peephole and then pulled open the door and again no one was there. He stepped out onto the hallway and checked through the heavy door on both the opposite hall and the stairway and didn't see a soul. Let me make a note here that these doors are heavy so when you closed them, you could hear a very loud thud. It would be loud enough to be heard over a TV, whenever anyone opened or closed those doors. It was also on a tight spring action, so it was impossible to close them by yourself. They always followed the spring. It must be one of the kids down the hall messing with us, he said after closing and locking the door. He was still stood right next to the door just after finishing that sentence, when a metallic clicking sound drew our attention back to the door. A heavy weight of horror pressed on me as I watched the doorknob turn slowly, one way then the other. The motion persisted back and forth, gaining momentum as it did so. I couldn't take my eyes off it, but Jake stepped away quickly to grab a weapon. The movement was frantic now, and I was beyond grateful he'd locked the door with a deadbolt. As soon as he stepped away from the door, the doorknob stopped moving. But it was replaced by someone seemingly kicking the door, like they were slamming their feet into the door with all their strength. The door was rattling with the force. Jake, weapon in hand, threw the door open, ready for anything... But nothing was on the other side. One time Jake was home alone, I was at work, and the pounding started. In hope, he called me to see if I was at the door and had forgotten my key, but I wasn't. I'd been walking out of work, and I could tell he was frightened. He's not someone who admits to being scared easily the knocking would always happen the same, starting with normal knocks, then the turning of the handle, and then develop into pounding. Of course, it could have been someone confused, thinking it was their place or maybe a friend of the old tenant who no longer lived there. Or perhaps it was a prank. But whatever it was, the speed that this person was able to get away was uncanny and no matter how many times we threw that door open, no one was ever on the other side. I think, deep down, we both knew we were dealing with something not human. Thinking back now, I don't think our dog ever barked when it happened either. Whenever these mysterious knocks would happen, she would always quietly slink out of the room, and refused to leave until the next day. When the event happened, the knocking hadn't happened for about a month or so, and we'd begun to let our guards down. We just chalked it up to some weird thing in the past. It was now around Halloween, and the night leading up to it was normal. We both worked, we both had the next day off, and we were excited to go to an art festival in a nearby city. We watched TV whilst eating dinner, and eventually found our way into bed. But, my God, now down, nothing could have prepared me for the entity I was going to encounter that night. I've been plagued by many nightmares growing up, but the nightmare I had on this night has been engraved into my head ever since. I was in some sort of damp, dark sewer place. There was an unreal feeling around me, like an inescapable and unseeable danger surrounding you. But you don't quite know what to be afraid of yet. There was some light coming from the lanterns along damp stone walls. I felt like I was underground... For a while, I was trudging through stale water that came up to my ankles, trying to find a way out of this maze of tunnels. As time passed, the feeling grew more and more intense, making me want to press against the wall and wait it out. But something in me told me I had to keep pushing through. A smell began to drift through the tunnels... It was unpleasant, but bearable at first. But the farther I walked, the thicker the air became, and I realised it was the smell of rotting flesh. As I continued through the tunnels, I began to see forms in the water around me. I couldn't make them out at first, but I eventually began to recognise familiar forms dismembered body parts floating alongside me. The further I walked, the larger the part, until some of them became full-bodied humans in all sorts of positions with dead eyes, all seemingly following my every move. I stopped walking. Something in the air shifted. Something evil was here in the tunnels with me, I could feel it thick around me, an energy that promised bad intentions. My heart fluttered frantically. He's coming, a voice said. I whirled around the tunnel to find the voice, where it was coming from. And it was coming from a girl who was laying down with her head propped against a wall. She kept repeating, he's coming. At first, it began as a whisper, slowly growing in volume, each time being said with a deeper and deeper intensity. I looked at the girl and remembered being horrified in my dream that she was even talking, because she was laying against the wall, cut in half at the waist. Her bottom half was less than a foot from her. Her lifeless eyes were staring at me, never blinking, and her mouth moved frantically as the words rushed out. She kept repeating these words until she was almost screaming it. And then she stopped suddenly, mid-sentence. In a cold and level voice, she said, ''Run.'' "Run." And then she started to scream. (laughs) It was a blood-curdling scream at the top of her voice, and it began to morph into a much deeper tone. The shock of it brought me out of my dream and had me sat upright in bed. Even though I was wide awake, the screaming never stopped. The next minute I felt like it was slow motion as I took everything in. Jake, who was sleeping closest to the door and the bathroom, was sat upright in bed and screaming. I've never before or since heard him scream like that. It was pure terror. His eyes were wide open and staring towards the closet and he wouldn't stop screaming. The next thing I noticed in my panic was our dog barking and growling. She was in the hallway to the bathroom and facing the closet, which was right next to the bedroom doorway. My heart felt like it was going to explode out of my chest as it dawned on me that Jake was looking in the same direction as the dog. This all happened in a matter of seconds, but it felt like an eternity. I looked in the direction they both were... And I saw it. It was by the bedroom door and in front of the closet door. I could only discern the outline of it as a black figure. It wasn't like a shadow. I couldn't see any traces of light within the mass. The room was light from the moon outside, but this thing in front of us was pure black, a void. It was as if even light refused to touch it. Or perhaps it wasn't welcome to. It was tall, looming. It had the figure of a man, but I could distinctly see the form of a ram's horns on its head. Everything stopped for me. What I saw that day, what I felt, was pure, unadulterated evil. It was an evil that settled in your bones like a disease. It was an evil that weighed you down and dragged you deeper into a tar pit. It was nothing and everything all at once. It was the sheer absence of life. I can't accurately describe what I encountered that day, but that feeling has stuck with me with a vividness that feels etched into my very being. The rotting smell was vivid, churning my stomach. It stood there for a moment and it watched me. I watched it. I think it was assessing me. It glides over and leans over the bed towards me. It leaned over Jake's legs and Jake followed it with his head. But his screaming never stopped. It was getting closer whilst I shriveled into myself... Right when I was sure it was going to do something terrible, something awful, it disappeared. When it left, so did the smell, so did the screaming, so did the growling. The darkness left the room as well, and the air no longer felt like tar. It took me a moment to pull myself together, to re-enter my surroundings. I was locked in a moment of terror, and I stayed like that for a few moments covers gripped with white knuckles, staring at the now empty space. The dog had laid down, whining and staring at the spot where the creature had been. The terror at the thought of getting out of bed was almost all-encompassing. I felt like if I stepped out, an invisible protection would be broken, like something was waiting under the bed to grab me like by merely stepping on the floor, I would be thrown back into that horror that I'd just witnessed. I did grab the remote control off the headboard, and I put something on the TV so there was at least light and noise. Something to bring a sense of normality back into the room. After I got my breathing under control, I tugged at Jake's arm. Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you good? I asked the terror making my voice a cracked whisper. Yeah, I'm fine, he snapped. Are you sure? Why were you screaming? I whispered, wanting, no, needing his reassurance that he'd seen what I'd seen. I'm fine, he grumbled, before turning on his side and going back to sleep. Well, I didn't say anything to him after that. I didn't tell him about what just occurred. I also felt like, if I spoke about it, it would come back. I kept my eyes on the TV for the rest of the night, But the only thing I was thinking was the replaying of the event in my mind. Regardless of the terror state I was in, I must have drifted off to sleep, because the next thing I remember was the sun coming through the window. When I woke up, I was obviously still shaken up about the events that had unfolded the night before. Luckily, we had the day off. We were going to that art fair in a nearby city, which I was grateful for, because I wanted to be as far away from this place as we could get. We were in the car for about 45 minutes before I finally built up the courage to ask Jake about it. I thought it was awfully odd he hadn't brought it up thinking perhaps he was on the same page I was feeling the same dark chill that seemed to be laying around us Do you, um, do you remember what happened last night? I asked my fingers wringing my shirt with nerves What do you mean? he asked in response Do you remember waking up last night at all? "'Or screaming?' I asked. "'I knew I was beating around the bush, "'but like I said, I was nervous to bring it up. "'Screaming? I don't remember that. "'I remember you waking me up,' he replied in a jokey way. "'I was shocked. "'Me wake him up. "'He'd been wide awake. "'He was sitting up, screaming.' With his eyes wide open, I know he was awake. I know that thing had been in our presence. The dog reacted to it as well. Both Jake and Sonia had been looking in the same direction. They were the ones that woke me up. I told him the story of what I saw, what happened the night before. He tried to joke about it but quickly caught on that it wasn't that kind of situation. That I was terrified of this unexplainable event. He believes me now that it happened, but swore he has no memory of that night. Knowing I'm the only one who remembers, besides maybe the dog, leaves me feeling alone, crazy. So far, I've not encountered that entity again, and hopefully I never will. However, ever since that night, I have felt slightly on edge, trying to be ready for the unexplainable. Wherever it was, I get the feeling it has unfinished business. We have had a few other incidents since then. We spent a year in the apartment, but once the lease was up, we decided to move back across the state and I was ecstatic to leave that apartment. We'd been in my mum's house for about a week, and we had the basement to ourselves. There was a bedroom, a laundry room, a bathroom and a living area. It was very nice, but wary living with your parents and your significant other. I was in the bedroom unpacking when someone walked past the door and into the laundry room. I called out to my mum, but when she didn't answer, I walked into the laundry room, and no one was there. I asked Jake if he'd walked into the laundry room and left, but he said no. I ran upstairs and checked every room, but there was no one else in the house. I shrugged it off to Jake, but I knew a female figure had walked past that door. Since we'd just moved back, we didn't have jobs yet, so we were sat in the living room, browsing for vacancies that were open in the area, and we heard footsteps sounding above us. They seemed to be pacing around the top floor of the house. I did have a younger sister, and I figured she'd snuck in from school, so running up to greet her... I once again found the house to be empty. We grew used to the sound of footsteps, but they developed in what sounded like full-fledged conversations being had by people above us. It didn't happen too often, but each time there was no radio nor TV on. We found it all a bit creepy, a bit amusing in a sense, but nothing much came of it. We also could never understand what was being said. It sounded like English, but garbled in a way. I began to have nightmares in this house again. However, when the nightmares started, so did the whispering. But it was no longer a distant conversation. These whispers would be directed at you. The couch we had at the time wasn't pushed against a wall. It was dividing the room from the living room and storage. And many times whilst we watched TV, there would come, a uh, from behind us. Sometimes Matt or I would jolt to an upright position because we got the feeling of breath on our neck or ear. As if someone had leant over the back of the couch and just breathed. The whispers changed and began targeting Jake. It was now a female voice, but as time grew, the voice changed. Whatever it was, it started to imitate my voice. Before, it mostly said, Hey, but eventually it began to say full phrases. Whispering to Jake, things that I'd said before, Are you going to bed? was always a big one. Or, what are you doing? He said it sounded just like me. And he would think I was messing with him. He would wake me up and ask if I'd been in the living room. All I usually heard was, hey. But one night I happened to be on the couch. When it happened, a whisper drifted through the room. Are you going to bed? Asking Jake if he was going to bed. A coldness gripped me as I heard my voice coming from something besides me. The last big thing that happened was on Thanksgiving. My family was coming over to celebrate, so me and Jake were getting ready for the party. I was ready before him, and since he had to jump in the shower, I went to join the company. Later that night, Jake asked how I managed to undo the lock... I clearly gave a confused look. He said, The bathroom lock. Didn't you mess with me in the shower? No, I replied. I went upstairs whilst you were in there. He didn't give any more information, but I could see he was uncomfortable. So I asked what happened, and he explained. The shower we had was a simple one with a shower curtain. And whilst he was showering a hand came through the shower curtain and touched him. He said he was convinced it was me, because he could see the shadow of the fingers on the hand, and that it wasn't just the steam causing the shower curtain to puff inwards. Well, we were both creeped out by that one. All ghostly encounters are heart racing to an extent, obviously. But the thing I saw in that apartment was more than just a ghost. It was pure evil. It's an event that I will have to hold with me for the rest of my life. And I am terrified if it ever decides to appear again. There is a part of me that feels like it's attached to us in some way. And I do wonder if it's a generational attachment, starting with my grandmother and her Ouija board habit. Or perhaps there was a demon connected to Mr. J, and it happened to follow me. Or maybe it was something attached to Jake from his previous house. Whatever it is, there's a feeling deep down in me that it hasn't made its last appearance yet. And I'm terrified by that thought. I'm also terrified by the idea it could be a generational thing. That when I'm ready to have kids, they may have to encounter that evil. In the end, all I can do is hope I never see it again. I would love any feedback or thoughts on what this could have been... So, I may be more prepared if it happens again. Nothing has happened in about a year, but if it does, I'll be sure to give an update. However, I sincerely hope I never have to send that update email. Regards, Abby. Well, Abby, thank you so much for sending in your true paranormal experiences. Sincerely, your email was one of the most thought-provoking emails I've received in a long time. The sceptical part of me wants to say and remind you that the knowledge that you've gained from your mother about your grandmother and her experiences with the Ouija board may inadvertently put a paranormal skew on the framing of certain non-paranormal events – And I say that because although the whole point of this podcast is to remind people we need a healthy fear of the paranormal, I'd never want someone to be sat there, a big ball of anxiety, awaiting the inevitable demon to pop out of the cupboard. I'm sure you do this anyway, Abby, and this message is generally for everyone. We should maintain a healthy scepticism around our paranormal experiences. And I say that not to throw any doubt on your experiences, Abby. As far as I'm concerned, they sound legit, genuine and sincere. I say it because on several occasions, you state you're convinced you feel this entity is not done with you. And although you may be quite right, let's maybe not give it the energy to feed off in the first instance. Either way, Abby... Thank you so much for feeling brave enough to share your paranormal experience with our wonderful community. And I sincerely hope whatever business this thing had with you is done and dusted. If, like Abby, you wish to share your true paranormal experience, drop me a line, thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com or visit our website, thedarkparanormal.com and click Contact Us. For our Patreons, I'll speak to you on Sunday for yet another instalment of Dark Bites. And for everyone, I'll speak to you here next week for a story so good our Patreons themselves demanded this experience be brought to the masses via the main show. So until then, remember, when you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave some of your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next time, here on The Dark Paranormal.